Hi, I'm Sienna. Hi, I'm Christina. And you're listening to Behind the Curtains Podcast, a podcast brought to you by English Touring Theatre. Join us as we chat to some of the amazing creatives and movers and shakers in the world of theatre off the stage. From directors to producers to choreographers, movement directors, production managers, writers and dialect coaches, we are spotlighting the folks that are the backbone of the industry. We'll be reflecting on life and work in a pandemic and thinking ahead to what the future might hold in these uncertain times. Our guests will also tell you their stories and share their career journeys, each unique to them. And in this episode, we are thrilled to be joined by movement directors Ingrid McKinnon and Shelley Maxwell. Hi, Ingrid and Shelley. Hi. Hey. 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 <laughs> how are you both? Uh, yeah. Really well, thank you. Ings, yeah. how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Yes, we give thanks. We give thanks. I love <laughs> that. Really good. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. that. Well, let, before we dive into our convo, let's give you your full glory and let's do your proper introduction. So we'll start with Ingrid. Ingrid McKinnon is a London-based movement director, choreographer, teacher, and dancer. Her extensive movement direction and choreography credits include The Merchant of Venice for the Royal Shakespeare Company, Cacophony for Almeida, and The Headwrap Diaries for Uchenna Dance. Ingrid is currently a tutor at Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, among other institutions, and holds an MA in movement, directing and teaching from Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. She is also the co-founder of Move Space. Welcome, 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 Ingrid. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey. Got a click. Got a click for our good thing. Yeah. It sounds sweet. It's I'm impressive. Like, yeah. It's so impressive. Listen. <laughs> and we'd also like to welcome our friend Shelley. Shelley Maxwell is a writer, award-winning movement director and choreographer, and her portfolio is extensive with credits including Anthony and Cleopatra, Twelfth Night, Nine Night for West End's Trafalgar Studios and the National Theatre, as well as Equus at Theatre Royal Stratford East. She is also co-founder of Black-led production company Bennu Creative House, alongside colleagues Clement Ishmael, Salise Hicks and Michelle McGiven. We'll hear a bit more about that later. Once again, Amazing. welcome. We're so welcome, excited to chat to you both. Okay, so uh, we want to just dive in to, um, now we've kind of discussed how we're all doing, just dive in straight away to, to hearing a bit more about each of you. So, um, as as we kind of discussed off air for for a minute, Ingrid, I first met you at Movement Workshop run by your company Move Space when I was an artist at Birmingham Rep Theatre. And Shelley, I met you in 2018 whilst I was digital content producer at ETT. And so I guess it would be really great to start off with finding out from each of you um, how you got into movement choreography and directing and just a little bit about your journey so far for those who don't even really know much about what this kind of job would entail and how would one even begin to get into it. Uh, I'm I'm from Jamaica, so I was born and raised in Jamaica, and uh, my background is in dance, so modern dance, folk dance, dance hall dance, and um, I kind of segued into doing choreography when I was a teenager, so I worked a lot in Jamaica, doing concert dance, working on music videos, um, and really just embracing the world of dance in that way. Uh, I've been in the UK now for a number of years, but movement direction for me was kind of a happy accident. So while I kind of embraced my career as a performer uh, in theatre and in dance and as a choreographer in that capacity as well, um, I literally landed into the world of movement direction by the generosity of a friend who just needed help. And so I, I did my first kind of assisting job working for the Royal Shakespeare Company on the production of Hamlet and fell in love with it. Um, 
And so kind of from there, everything started kind of flowing and rolling. It wasn't easy. People always say, how do you get into what you're doing? And I'm like, it's a lot of graft. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of knocking on doors. Um, but what I'd say is it's a lot of self-belief as well, because I cited something that I really fell in love with and wanted to kind of keep doing. And so I kind of fought for how do I make that happen? Um, and so, yeah, I've been happily working in the world of theatre doing choreography and and movement direction. And I still think I have a long way to go with regards to developing myself as an artist. And I'm always keeping myself open to that. And I have wonderful people like Ingrid to to help root and keep me grounded on my journey as well. Ingrid? I Yay. love that. Oh, I, I love that as well love. that we're... Or- we're already getting a bit of a sense of the very close relationship that our guests have and we're going to ask about that a bit later if you don't mind because I think it's so lovely to have friends in the room together but Ingrid what about you yeah thank you you. and yeah um like Shelley it's a it's a very interesting journey in Uh, I'm from Canada originally and I've been in the UK now for about 12 years my background also like Shelley is in dance I had a career as a performer that's taken me through Canada, the United States, and here in the UK. And I've worked in all different realms of dance. So I've had work from the West End um, uh, to concert dance to cruise ships. So I've done it all. I've been a showgirl and a very serious modern dancer all at the same time. Uh, And then probably, I don't even know when now, maybe not too long ago, I had a real, I was still kind of like, I, I, I was going to say the word chasing, but I'll still use the word chasing. I was chasing this kind of like this momentum, this dance momentum of gig to gig to gig. But it was like, what is this going towards? What's the end point for me? So I made a shift and I decided to go back and um, retrain. And it was strange. It was one of those things. So um, unlike Shelley, I didn't fall into it. I didn't have a I don't have a choreography background. I've been in lots of rooms where I've been in pieces of work that Shelley's choreographed and I've been in lots of rooms with other choreographers, but I didn't have a choreography background. So I really wanted to give myself space to learn and develop the craft. So as a mature student, I went back and did my MA at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and Movement Directing. And it was a, a brilliant time for me. I really got a chance to learn about myself primarily and learn that actually I have all the tools to um, be a creative entity in the room rather than just a kind of a vessel for information which is what I felt I was as a performer as a dancer which was beautiful and lovely but um, at that time it had kind of come to its end Um, so yeah that that my journey since then has just been like saying yes to every opportunity since I started on that course every placement I said yes you want to do that yes you want to do it? Yes. So I've just been saying yes, yes, yes. And it's led me into some really incredible rooms, places. And um, I think I'm just approaching this, uh, I guess, almost second career, it feels like, with the same um, um, verver that I approached my dance career. You know, I, I'm just going for it. When I, when I left Canada and I, I was going to do this thing, I always knew I wanted to do it right and do it properly and give it my best shot. So I'm approaching this the same way. So it's, it's, it's hard work. It's lots of fun. I find myself in spaces sometimes teaching or movement directing uh, and going, is this work? Oh yeah, I am working. Wow. <laughs> and other times I'm like, yes, it is work. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> I need to put my hat on and really think. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm continually grateful for the, all the opportunities. 
Um, like Shelley also too, I feel like I'm very early career in this movement direction choreography game. Uh, there's still so much that I can envision. I'm just at the beginning of something really exciting. So I'm just really grateful to be on that journey. And again, having so important, having like a sister friend like Shelley with me to uh, to bounce off, to think about, to reflect on, to encourage is so important. So, And to um, have a boogie with, let's not forget the boogie. Have we, and boogie. have a boogie always. Well, you know, we were trying to, we were trying to, we were trying to get back to a club for a long time. We have dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but I love those answers. And you know what, some of the things already, you both are talking about kind of like your international backgrounds as well. And then you're talking about your musical influences a little bit. Shelly talking about dance hall. Christina, in case you did not know, she's from Jamaica as well. So I'm sure that, you know, you're happy to hear all of that. <laughs> I was wondering, you know, because I was looking at the background that you have and I was just like, why does that <laughs> well, make me fun. feel like I'm in the islands, like I'm on a beach in Jamaica? <laughs> so is it that it, you have um, Jamaican heritage as well, Christina? Yes. So okay. my mum is Jamaican and my dad is Guyanese. Ah, okay. Well, but I am 100% um, Jamaican at heart. Like, I was, yeah, it's everything to me. Okay. And I know both of you guys are Jamaican. My mom's Jamaican, Your mom yeah. Is yeah, my Jamaican. father's from yeah, St. Kitts. Yeah, yeah. I know. So look at us. We're us island women. We're all up in here. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm a true, I'm a yardie at heart yeah. as well, all the way. Shelly knows. Shelly knows. She's... If, she's I, like, if, I try go, if I try and go to Jamaica and look up, Shelly knows. I, I have to I, keep I quiet, but... <laughs> I know, I was like, I was like, is Ingrid going to actually try yeah, to Yeah, I was going to, but I'm like, I won't do it. Oh, I won't. So, no. <laughs> okay, Ingrid, it's yours too, but, you know, sometimes it's like Canada who? And then sometimes it's like, well, you know, love that. But yeah, so I, I guess I'd just be really interested to hear a bit more about kind of, I suppose, um, you know, Ingrid and Shelley, because I was going to ask Ingrid, especially about kind of maybe the, the difference in your practice or the scenes in somewhere like Canada versus the UK. And I think it'd be interesting to hear the same about maybe um, kind of Jamaica, um, just the kind of international differences that you've noted. I know that different levels of your career and stages have been in the UK, but I think that'd be useful to hear and maybe thinking about kind of different musical influences and how that's informed your practice as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when I first arrived in the UK, I was like, um, you know, hot on dance. You know, I think the first class I went to, I went to Pineapple. And the very first class I went to, yeah, and the first, I went to a ballet class. And I took class with Denzel Bailey, this amazing ballet teacher. And the first thing I thought to myself was, because I'm in London, I'm in London, I'm in London. I was like, where are all the black people? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> why am I the only, I mean, and Denzel is, you know, he's, he's a, He's a black man, black teacher. So I thought for sure, you know, everybody will be at this class. And I, that was probably the first um, big like sort of shock. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> and and the, more, the more I took classes like within the ballet and contemporary world, which, which is normally where I would go and spend my money when I went to class. Um, again, I would be like the only black person, sometimes the only black female in the room, which was very different to my experience in the US um, and the training I'd had there and the, the my work experience there. I guess, of course, we're talking with different numbers and population as well. But um, and I started to learn there's just a bit more of a um, there's a bit more of a divide. I think it's a it's a probably a bigger conversation than our context here, but it's it's a there's a big divide in terms of who feels 
what dance forms are for them or who's allowed into what spaces to study these dance forms or to participate on them on a professional level. Um, and it's, it's, it's really um, the divide here in, in London, I'll speak to London because my time here is, is really massive. Um, so now that I teach, I'm very aware of it. I'm very aware of my presence and my representation in the room um, as, a, as a black person teaching. And whenever I have any black students in the room, I'm very aware of their experience um, as I am with everyone in the room, but I'm also, I have like an extra acute awareness of um, the other black bodies in space and how they might be feeling, you know. Shelley, what about you? Um, well, I mean, you used the word, you know, international uh, in, in the question when you, you posed it. Um, I think growing up in Jamaica, uh, what it affords you is we, the culture just kind of permeates into everything. So my training in dance, I was in rooms where the drums were of utmost importance. And so you'd be doing dance classes with live drumming. And it's not just one drummer, you're talking about a group of drummers who are giving you that music. And then also if it's thinking about the social scene with regards to dance hall, anything that's happening in dance hall as well would then permeate into the classroom, into the studio. Um, and the folk culture and the folk dances as well. So we have our traditional folk dances, which you're learning, but then equally it starts to feed into social dance culture. So everything kind of forms this beautiful webbing where everything is feeding each other. So it really creates this very exciting atmosphere with regards to dance and music and culture. Um, so leaving an environment like that and then shifting across. I used to travel a lot when I was younger, so I'd go and do training um, like at the Alvin Ailey Centre in New York or come to, to London and do like a few summer school workshop type things. Um, but when I made the big jump to kind of come across equally to Ingrid, uh, the atmosphere is very different. And it has a lot to do, yes, I mean, obviously I'm coming from an island in the Caribbean and coming to, um, you know, the UK and in particular to London. Um, but, you know, like Ingrid, I felt, you know, when I walked into cl the classroom or into studios, it, it was different. I didn't have that instant connect or groundedness that I had when I was in Jamaica to pull on the kind of um, feeling and atmosphere that you can when you're in a Caribbean island. It was more formal, I think, and, and definitive about where you needed to place your focus. And so the bodies in space had that kind of shift as well. Um, it pushed me in a different way and I've gained lessons from working on all sides, sides of the pond um, and similar to Ingrid I use that to inform how I am in the room and I sense that a lot of the time when we go into rooms we go into this room with four corners it's a box you walk in you already feel the need to either code switch sometimes as a black individual to fit into a space or, you know, just the kind of sense where you, you the, where the lay of the land exists. And so for me, I try to man my rooms in a way where they're very open and I, I'm very welcoming with everyone because movement is universal and movement isn't meant to make anyone feel less than. So I use it as a language to, to bring equality into a space and into the room. And I think that's the lesson that I learned from growing up in Jamaica. Mm. Yeah, that connection of movement. We're all connected through movement. You know, the, like, I mean, you could be in a room with people 
I mean, Shelly and I definitely have this connection already as people who've danced together and, you know, um, we're friends in a, a space that's beyond, you know, just this artistic professional world we live in. But, you know, you, there's something about, it's like this term of, you know, this, this kind of term of catching a vibe, but everybody has it in all cultures, do you know? So when I teach movement to students, it's very similar to what Shelley is talking about. It's teaching that everyone has this, especially when people come to you and say, I can't move. Oh, I can't move. I can't dance. And you're like, well, yeah, what? everyone can move. Everybody has an essence. What's your essence? Absolutely. Let's find your vibe. Fine. Let's find your vibe. Let me tap into your vibe, actually. Um, that's probably yeah. sometimes how I like to flip it. Yes. Connecting through movement. Absolutely. 100% times 25. Love that. Catching a vibe. And, and yeah, I, you know, I think Shelly, I've seen you um, do your thing actually live and obviously I've experienced Ingrid doing her thing in that kind of process you have in each production or whatever you kind of work on in, in, in encouraging people to lead a little bit with their bodies before you start throwing out your ideas, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you want it to be, you know, there shouldn't be fair like Ingrid said there are lots of people who kind of will come to you beforehand going I just want to let you know that I'm not really <laughs> a mover <laughs> <laughs> um because you know there is a little bit of fair and trepidation sometimes people feel towards moving but you really shouldn't because again it is about what your essence is and movement directors and choreographers we work at bringing out the best that you have to offer so it's not really about us trying to place our blueprint on you it's about us teasing teasing out what's already there and what potentially you don't even know is there because everyone can catch everyone. a vibe everyone right? can catch a vibe if you're in the room with me you will catch the vibe <laughs> <laughs> i love you too i love you too <laughs> <laughs> um just kind of like following on from how you guys um work in production what has been the most exciting or challenging production you've both worked on and why? And how did that push your practice? Mm. Mm. Good. Oh, good question. Well, I mean, I think for me and, you know, because in, in my experience so far and it, without even being so specific, it's just like it's been the rooms in which I've felt truly part of the a, a, a tr like a true collaborator. You know, and um, I think that's come about in rooms in which uh, a combination of things have happened. A, I've had a much greater belief in my skills and my ability and what I have to offer. So, um, yeah, I can't, I come in with a real sense of like, okay, you know what, I, I, I should be here, I deserve to be here, and my voice should be heard in this space. And the second thing is that the, the, the people... The team normally brought together by a director or creative director has truly created a space for collaboration. Like you've truly been invited to the table and also encouraged to speak, if that makes sense. Because sometimes you feel like there's some rooms or some places, scenarios where you have to kind of force your voice in. And um, you know, and you have to do that and your voice might land flat. And you have to, it's like, <laughs> like a fart in the wind. You're like, okay. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> just pretend that didn't happen. And other times it's, it's you know, it, everyone turns to you and it's like, what does Ingrid think? And you're like, oh, right. Okay, this is brilliant. And you feel really part of the fabric of the room, of the work, of the of the vibe. So um, I, I smile because I think more about the places in which um, those two things happen. My confidence aligned with the collaborative nature and it was like, pow. And the rehearsal ended. And even if nothing was accomplished that day, I walk up there at like 5.30 like, 
I'm that was like <laughs> no, good. You know what I mean? I walk out there like, yeah, man. What'd you do? I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> If, if you guys were able to see right now, Ingrid is like doing a really cool strut in her chair. Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. She's, she's getting her vibe on. The movement is just there permanently. I love it. Sorry, so that's my answer. It's not that specific, but that's, yeah. No, it's a good one. What about you, Shelley? It's a good answer. I'm going to be more specific just based on the conversation that we've been having. And I am going to break the rules, Sienna, and I'm going to state two. Okay, we'll live. Um, <laughs> so uh, for me, that alignment that Ingrid spoke about, I had the joy of working on the production of Nine Night for the National Theatre. And it was a Jamaican story, you know, and that does not come my way very often. So uh, for me, that was a gift that I got to work with a cast and, and to pretty much teach them a little bit about my culture, about drums and music and about one of our uh, traditional dance forms called Kumino. So every day in that room was a blessing for me. And to be in the national doing this black production written by a black British woman with Jamaican heritage. I mean, there were days, days that I just cried because of the joy of it and the power of it and what it meant for me um, as an individual. Um, so doing the work with the director, Roy Alexander Wise, uh, was really important and he really understood all of that and he made room for me to work in the space and he gave me a voice like Ingrid said which was great um, and as a result you could see it in the telling of the story so that was definitely um, rewarding alignment and the second one since we're we're doing this podcast in partnership with ETT and he's a big up English touring theatre large up yourself um, for the production of Equus, which was one of the more both challenging and rewarding experiences because of the the importance of the movement to the telling of the story. Um, so, you know, sometimes movement is a supporting act, but I felt like for Equus, movement had somewhat of a, a, an equal starring role. So being able to work with the actors to help to tease out the storyline through movement again was such a challenge and a reward given how well it was received. I yeah, I remember I've watched both Equus and um Nine Night Nine Night to me again, Shelley, it was the same thing. Like I, I mean, when I watched it I had it was it's such an emotional play in general. It's just mm. honestly I, I left like a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I came in looking normal and I came out looking like I had just had, I just looked like a shipwreck but, <laughs> but it was so good it was so beautiful and like the movement was spot on and it was just you know I just felt a sense of pride even though I had nothing to do with the production whatsoever I was just in the audience I just wanted everyone to know this is my country this is my culture guys like this is this is me and sometimes it's hard to explain things like you know the things that you know every culture is so different but you know, I'm as patriotic as Sienna can vouch for. I'm just super patriotic. Listen, so. if you don't know Christina's, if you don't know Christina's Jamaican, you're not listening. You're not listening hard enough. We all know. So it's just, it was just such a beautiful piece to watch. Um, of course, I took my uncle to watch it because he okay. loves dance. And he was just, because I knew if there's one thing he's going to love, it's just seeing like, especially the beginning the beginning um opening scene the scene with um at the start at the top of the show yeah. yeah 
and you know it was just I remember hearing everyone's voices saying oh my gosh how did this how has this person become literally a horse um and it was yeah it was spectacular both, well let's big yeah. up Ira as well so Ira played yeah. Nugget so massive props to Ira who was the mover yeah. fabulous mover Oh, yeah, I love definitely. that. And I, I think it's so beautiful when something takes your breath away. And even more so when you're working on it, because there's always a thing whenever you would, in whatever shape your craft is or whatever part of the work that you feed into, if you're seeing something continuously, you know, it can become a bit routine. But if you're able to connect with it and then when you see it each time, it feels spectacular. You get that excitement about it again and you're like, oh, I was part of that. You know, I think that's always just so special. moving on and really kind of winding back to what is very clear from this conversation is obviously this rela very close relationship you both have and even though we are all in four different spaces <laughs> um, I feel your connection very very strongly and I love that I believe Ingrid you refer to Shelley as like mm -hmm. your sister friend and I love that because I, I consider Christina my sister friend we're very very close definitely yeah um, definitely. and I really wanted to I was obviously very happy to hear that you've been friends for at mm. least 10 years right mm. at yeah. least you know yeah. which is wonderful um, <laughs> And, you know, it's really powerful because I think one thing is we always just in general in like creative spaces, there's always this kind of like scarcity ah. mentality and you're often told to be in competition with each other. And then now if you add on the fact that you're women, add on the fact that you're black women, add on this, add on that and the third and the fourth and the fifth, we're encouraged to be like, we yeah. don't need to be, we don't in need to be friends. Ingrid knows how I feel about that. I, what do I always say, Ingrid? There is space for everybody this is something that you will hear me say 100%. there 100%. is space for everyone your recipe is not my recipe is not ingrid's recipe there is space for everyone to share their sauce to share their goodness share the so, sauce <laughs> yeah there is you know so ingrid and i speak all the time um about this and about the the mentality that yes exists with some but also you know it's per it's kind of put out there that this is the mentality of the all and really it isn't because if we can help each other we all move forward mm -hmm. and what we want to do is move forward together as a community so you can't do that like in Jamaica we always talk about crabs in a barrel you know they're always going to try and clamor clamor on top of each other and push the other person down to the bottom yeah man no um let's climb mm -hmm. up together because to inter you know in unity there is strength so i am all for everyone has a space love that for their voice no i thought so as well and i think it's more that i think yeah i think you know i think we would all agree that's the way and i think it's more that often in just creative spaces there is that and um, i talked to some actress friends about how often it feels like that's kind of the what the 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 mo basically and then you know for example if you know sherelle skeet she she and a few others started black Tris uk to make the point yep. that actually there's room mm -hmm, for all of us exactly. and we're all gonna we're not going to be side-eyeing each other in the in the room. We're going to be there supporting each other like, Absolutely. my good sis, you got and, this. You and know? also yeah. as women and also as black women, we would only be perpetuating the 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 stereotype, stereotype. The, the, the kind of institutional racism that there's only room for one, the tokenism that exists. We'd be perpetuating it by thinking that because Shelley's a movement director, then I can't be one, so I got to be like a florist. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> we do love florists. I, I love flowers. Say, yeah. Anyone send me flowers? I take flowers. Big up the florists. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's room for all of us. I mean, we need to come. I think you know, the only way we're going to come through any of this is by having a mindset of abundance. You know, and I love how you Absolutely. framed it within the framework of scarcity. And it's, you know, we need to flip it and think about the abundance of work out there. And it, and it's kind of counterintuitive because right now everything you hear is about scarcity, about this, about that, because of everything that's happened with COVID, for example. And I think, as you say, it's really important that you push through that and say, actually, it's only a mindset of abundance that will help us get through this moment that feels like it's a mm. moment of scarcity. Yeah, we, like Shelley said, we talk about this all the time, about how, you know, when Shelly gets a thing, I'm like, yes, go, do, yes, yes, you know? And then I'm mm-hmm. like, here, girl, God. she's like, yes, do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like you say, your recipes Absolutely. are different, you know? I always say this as well. My my thing is I'm, I'm very much, I think I'm like known in, you know, the people I connect with. I'm, I'm like trying to connect and bridge people. So I'm like, why don't you know this person? How You should so be in touch with that person, like work with them in the future, whatever. And I think it's just understanding that what you would what I would bring to the space you can't replicate it so it's cool like maybe sometimes that's not my portion actually and I'm like actually it's it's this person's portion go to them and exactly. I think the more of that the yeah. better exactly and I think both Ingrid and I do that as well because I do sometimes I point people into the direction of others when I feel like I'm not I'm not the right person for this actually this person is um because yeah you don't need to say yes to everything I know Ingrid early on you were like I was saying yes <laughs> yeah. to everything but you know when, you, when you're at a, a point where you can actually weigh through you know the no's are just as important as the yeses you know what's so funny as well as a side note I find it really interesting because you both in some way refer to yourselves as still like um you know being in your career in the beginnings like emerging in a way and I think cons- considering your honestly extensive like portfolio some might argue that oh god you've done loads mm. already you know and I think it's, it's firstly it's really healthy to not think that you can never grow but I suppose what is I think it's interesting that you're both kind of embracing this idea of like still emerging and stuff like that when on the flip side sometimes it can feel like oh my god we're always emerging we're always at the beginning of our career like when are we going to be considered kind of there whatever there looks like and I wonder if you have any thoughts about this idea of like emergence versus well not. I mean yeah because there's always you know I find it very interesting this emerging artist thing because there's so many applic um and there's so many applications <laughs> for things and then you have to then go am I an emerging artist where do I fall but for me when I talk about still having lots of work to do uh, movement direction in particular in the past few years has become uh, more in the forefront where it wasn't. Now, there needs to be acknowledgement for all the people that have been doing this behind the scenes for so many years, but were not being pushed into the forefront or acknowledged or sometimes even credited. So whereas, you know, I've only been in the movement direction kind of field for a few years, there are many more people before me who have been practicing for 15, have been practicing for 20. So that's kind of my comparative tool. For me, it's not so much about the quality of the work and where, and how it's been received. I appreciate if people are appreciative of what I do. But for me as a person, I know that I still am digging deep within me. And therefore, I still consider myself uh, fairly, uh, not new in the field, but you know in comparison to the 20 years on the timeline I'm still in development yeah I, w- I would agree I mean like I you can uh you have I I personally feel like you have to have a respect for lineage and history and you know um maybe it's from my dance background and having a real respect for all those people that came before me um and when I went into buildings I remember the first time going to the Alvin Ailey American Dance 
school, just stepping in the building and just feeling the kind of like weight of history of people that inspired me to even just be where I am, basically. Um, I, I've always had a respect for that. So when I when I was at Central and just the different practitioners that came in to work with us and teach us, I mean, people that, like Shelley said, have been in the game for a long time, but their, their names are not in the forefront and they come in and talk to us and work with us or give us feedback. Um, there's no way that I could think that in my short time, and I've been doing this less a little bit less than Shelley, that uh, I'm any more than just early early parts of this thing, you know? And I think as well, Ingrid, that, like, for me, I think about it all the time. I am able to walk into rooms through open doors because someone knocked the door down for me. As a Amen. black woman. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So mm. I don't mm. say that for granted. These doors that are open, I always question. I go, who opened this door for me to be able to walk through and into this space? And equally, if I ever have to knock a door down, I know I'm knocking this door down with the foresight that it's going to be for someone coming up behind me. And if that's what my contribution is, then I'm going to knock that door down for them. Oh, I feel so inspired. Oh, my goodness. This stuff about lineage is so important, you know, so, so important. You know, often, you know, and this is why we want this space to like lift up yourselves for starters, because as you say, like, you know, there'll be others coming up who will need to know that, you know, you're part of, of their lineage. But, you know, you talked about your source and actually you talked about your cultures and you talked mm -hmm. about the influences and all of that. So I think it's like really beautiful that that's already, you know, the foundations of the conversation. But a bit more about kind of how you've gone about with your movement practice and, and obviously it's evolving. But how have you how have you done that? How does oh one gosh. do that? What a huge qu what a huge question. Ah, but a very important one. A very important one. I think um, more recently, um, Aisha Tesh Kiran has written a book about the craft of, um, about movement direction as an actual craft in contemporary theater. And she's featured uh, a whole bunch of um, prolific and inspiring movement directors, including Shelley. And then she also has a chapter of what she calls, um, you know, new voices, uh, in which I have a few words in there as well. But um, the whole point is it's kind of the first book of its kind to really ask movement directors, what do you do? And ask us all in a, a space where it can be articulated in conversation and to, to recognize that it is a craft. It's not just someone going in and kind of freestyling. There's definite skill, real skill. I think in other, in respect to other countries, I think in Canada, there's movement directors that are recognized uh, at some festivals, the Shaw Festival and the Stratford Festival over there. But there's very few and far between. And um, there hasn't been a lot of like um, new blood in that regard. Um, but um, but they're there and it's there. In the US, I think less so. I think uh, movement directors aren't really a thing on productions. They're kind of coming as a byproduct of shows from the West End transferring to Broadway. And then on those shows, there's a movement director and I guess producers and creative teams are going, oh, what is this thing of a movement director? Um, and possibly it's starting to emerge, but there's the, the course at Central is the only one that actually trains officially trains movement directors to work in theater. Um, I think there's lots of different courses in physical theater. There's lots of courses in choreography, which all feed into, uh, feed into the practice, but specifically it's still kind of fairly new in terms of it being something in which um, people feel anchored in, but that they can call themselves movement director. 
And I'm glad I asked because you've already told us about like, I didn't know about that resource, for example. So it's like really important that there's a seminal work that is, you know, I think there's something really powerful about documenting stuff. Cause I think, again, there's this stuff around when something is like a live art performance, um, sometimes and often people fail to write it down basically. And I think it's really important to do that because that's part of like, I'm really big on archiving and documenting what we do. Um, on stage but also yeah written. yeah and it, it's also part of why um uh i co-founded move space with laura drudger part of the reason to to give to give us a kind of uh a, a voice a network an actual place to meet right now it's a virtual space to meet but we used to meet in person just to like say hey i see you another movement director what do you do hey i see you where are you from how did you train how did you get into this thing um, it's really important or else you feel the work itself is so is so solo. Shelley will know this. You you get a you get a job and you go in and you're the only movement person in the room and you're working off of your ideas, you're working off of your own practice. Because you don't have other movement people to kind of like hang out with, like the cast. They have other actors to like be like, Hey, what's up? You know, how are your lines going? What's going on? <laughs> movement people, it's just it's that silence. So um <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting yeah, and I was there's nothing else. So you know, like it's really useful to have a network and to to feel um a sense of community. To, it, what it does is what Shelley was talking about earlier, you know, as we as we come together more united it only strengthens us. Um gives us more visibility and hopefully gives us all more work as a result. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Ingrid, you mentioned Move Space, um, the uh, organization initiative that you co-founded. And we know that Shelley has also recently um, co-founded um, a platform as well, an, an organization. And I wanted to, you know, a production company, I wanted to talk to you both a little bit about your initiatives and kind of why you felt the need that it was important to have Move Space, to have Venue Creative House, um, especially in this moment, just thinking about kind of everything that's happening with Black Lives Matter and actually COVID, the pandemic that that is, but also the pandemic of racism. I suppose what, with all of that stuff in mind, like how has the, how has those things affected you personally, professionally? And, and why do you feel it's been really important for you folks to have something that you've created? You see, it's interesting because that's, that's a lot of 2020 action right there. But, but things, it's not just 2020, you know what I'm saying? So there are lots of events and incidents that happened in 2020 that kind of allowed the way that people are feeling and emotions to kind of explode and implode equally. They're a culmination of things that have existed prior. Precisely. So uh, Benny Creative House, um, although it was formed during lockdown, wasn't a reflection of that moment, if that makes sense. It, it was kind of something that was bubbling from before. And with the individuals, the four of us, uh, we all as individual kept on having conversations across time and over the years with uh, creatives and with uh, talented people whose voices weren't being heard. And as, as a four, we all spoke about the fact that, you know, there are so many people who aren't given opportunity and chance to create, um, to create something that is their own, to manifest what they are truly meant to be doing because it's always something that is in their way or an obstacle. And it's not something that's self-imposed, it's what society imposes on them. So we just felt that we wanted to, as a unit, again, strength 
and in, in, in being united to come together to create a production company that would be about true inclusivity, that would be about diversity and and not just as a tagline that we put against our name, something that we ourselves practice in our individual spaces. And so we felt that it was for us, it was a time to come together and to try to to do something that was new and to try to manifest what we've always wanted to do as individuals, but together. Um, now, I don't know what the future will bring for us, but what I do know is that we are going to try our hardest to ensure that with each step that we take, we are opening doors, we are knocking down doors, and we are being a true representation of ourselves as as you said it's three black individuals and one white person so we really want to be able to rep represent our diversity with the truth that we need in this time 2020 and beyond and it is not about limitation so i know you spoke about you know what what does covid mean and and, and the, the pandemic and theater in this time and we are trying to operate external to that because if this is what, and I hate saying the new normal, but if this is what our existence is currently, then we're going to do what we do best as human beings. Adapt. You adapt. Adaptability. So for us moving forward, we want to push ourselves to adapt so that we can still make work, so that we can still create and produce. Because no, we don't need to think about going and retraining, not just yet. Let us retrain our, retrain our mindsets to work around, to create our own workarounds, so that we can still function. Because artists are important. They are important facet and asset in life. You know, they always say, and I'll stop because um, I'm, I'm going on, but, you know, life is art and art is life. So, you know, the two, you talk about symbiosis. That's a true and proper symbiosis. Um, so I know I've deviated, but it's just I feel really impassioned about the fact that we have to keep going. And Benny Creative House for us is that it is the fire that we're just going to keep blazing and moving forward with. I love that. And actually, you, you didn't go sideways at all because you actually you mentioned that. So, you know, I refer to it as a black led production house and didn't actually realise you have one white member. And I think it's really interesting because also I was going to ask um, Ingrid about the fact that I know that your co-founder of MoveSpace is obviously a white woman. And I think, again, there's resonance in this moment about how are we operating and working, um, you know, in our interracial kind of relationships, um, making work, centering blackness blackness being political but also knowing that you know our, our white comrades our friends our colleagues are kind of needing to be involved in that so I wondered if you just any had any like in additional reflections to what Shelley has said Ingrid about kind of this moment your work move space working interracially being black led yeah, or whatever I mean um, like Shelley, you know, Moose Space is, is not, um, is, has never been a, a reflection of COVID or this pandemic or this time. We started it in 2017 um, and we started it as two colleagues who were new to the game and um, wanted to create something for ourselves. We didn't feel like we were waiting around for anyone else to, to offer us work you know so we're constantly refreshing our email so we thought we'd start something you know um and something that would also include also a pull in um our colleagues our amazing other colleagues who didn't maybe have anything going on um 
it, it's interesting because, you know, in all the work that I do, I don't normally tend to approach anything as like specifically wanting to be only um, led or done through the black lens. It's very important to me that the work has a much a, a much more even human or broader social context constantly. And that am I helping people? Am I being kind? Am I being generous? Am I being open? Um, and I think within that framework of that kind of, uh, of those like values, um, my, my, my blackness is there. I'm there. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't need any extra amplification, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think, I feel like in terms of movement directing and move space, there have been times where, um, Laura and I have reflected on some of the the meetups that we have, we call them meetups in which we invite people to come and chat and we call them move space meetups in which, you know, the, it's not very diverse or it's not, it's not even diverse. It's just not, you know, this <laughs> is me and, you know, six other white people sort of thing. Um, and yeah. And, um, you know, it, sometimes it goes noticed. It always goes noticed by me. Sometimes it goes noticed by others and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and again, it's not that that's not important, but what's important to me is constantly, I keep reminding myself, is this an open space? Is this creating opportunity for others? It's truly creating opportunity for myself because you've come to my space. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it's interesting. I think, I think we, we as, as, as important as it is to, to with, with Black Lives Matters at the, the forefront of our brains, Black lives have always mattered in my life. My life has always mattered. So um, I'm constantly moving through space as a black woman all the time. And hopefully I'm attracting um, all types of people, white, black, brown, purple, pink, and green to walk with me in this journey of life. No, literally. No green because jealousy, well, but know, apart from that. Could be lime, light green, you know what I mean? But yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You know, I think, I think this is like, we, we don't want to, again, I said this earlier, we don't want to keep like kind of perpetuating the same problem, perpetuating the same trope, segregating ourselves. We need to create space, create true space, create opportunities for ourselves. And with that, hopefully creating opportunities for others, um, keeping that at the center of our work, you know, like. Well, I strongly believe, you know, I think when you think about socio um economic terms wherever you know many a lot of the time um marginalized people including black people are often at the bottom of those kind of numbers shall we say but i, I believe at the end of the day when when black people rise we bring everybody yes. with us basically that's kind of what i feel and so it's it's always about marginalized folks in any way to the front um, and i think as you know we we bring everybody with us because that's that's how it is um, that's why I'm bringing yeah, the green like folks that. with me yeah, too. Like that, so. yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's just because you know, green is the color of jealousy and whatnot. But I think we can we can we can rebrand it. Um, <laughs> so we're like actually, yeah, oh god, this has been an amazing conversation. We're, we're starting to reach the end, but Christina wanted to ask you a little bit about yes. your influences. I did. So we gave you some homework, which was your unsung heroes. So they could be people that are dead or alive whoever it is but it's just someone that we can shine a spotlight on and you know raise their awareness and what they've done lift up their you, names whether they've yeah whether they've inspired you or you know made you take steps or decisions on your journey really i mean i know you were gonna say me uh, but it's okay I'm, I'm right with that <laughs> well, i was just like I was just like, maybe I should have like spoken to Ingrid before because I bet you would say the same person. But no, we're, we're coming from uh, different cultures, so potentially not. Uh, 
So remembering that my upbringing was in Jamaica and Jamaica at the time, um, if there was an influence, it was mostly kind of westernized from the States. Um, so as a kid and a teenager growing up for me, um, you know, this magnificent world of theater and Broadway, it felt so far away. And it was watching uh, Debbie Allen in Famed. It was it wasn't your person. I, I, knew it. I knew it. We can share her. We can share Debbie Allen. Okay, we okay, can we'll share, share her. Um, so you know, again, I used to watch a lot of musicals on TV in Jamaica, but seeing Debbie Allen in Fame, you know, she's telling about you want fame, well, fame costs, and here's where you start paying. And I'm like, yes, okay, I'm with you, and you know, watching those episodes of this this television um program and seeing people that looked like me and seeing them dancing and working hard and 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 striving to get their dream it made me feel like it was attainable because also you know knowing that here is an actress is playing this role so i'm like oh whoa i i this is this is possible so that was kind of the first fire that 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 had me really going in my belly um, and, you know, coming across to the UK, so for me, I came across here quite late in my years. So, you know, a lot of my influences, like I said, are, are, are mainly from, uh, the stateside or in Jamaica, but I want to not disappoint Christina and I want to shine a spotlight on Carlton Jackie Guy. So Carlton Jackie Guy is a Jamaican dancer who moved across, and I love the fact that you're typing this down, Sienna, because she's yes. like, I'm going to go do my research. I you am. Should. He's been in the business for a long time. He's fondly known as Uncle Jackie to many. Um, and, you know, I can, I can consider him also a, a historian of Jamaican culture and Jamaican dance, because that's what he also does. He documents and he archives. Um, but... You know, he came across and he created a niche for himself with Jamaican and Caribbean modern folk dance, having his own um, dance company, working in the industry as a choreographer, as a teacher. And he, I know, has touched so many black young dancers' lives in the UK. And he's definitely an unsung hero who needs to be known. So I would say go look up everything on Carlton Jackie Guy. I love that because I'd never heard of him. And so, yes, Shelley, I was typing away. I'm going to research <laughs> Uncle Jackie. So thank you. I love that. I love learning new stuff. Thank you. And what about yourself, Ingrid? Um, So, yes, definitely Debbie Allen, 100%. I mean, growing up in Canada, seeing this woman, my dream was to dance on Broadway. I've only just recently given that up. My second dream is to dance. <laughs> My second dream is to dance for Jan Jackson. I'm still holding on to that one. She's still going, so this time. So. <laughs> yeah. But Debbie Allen, I mean, my gosh, that fame, that TV show, and seeing her and seeing those dancers, I just wanted to be at that school. I'm like, how, where's the school? Why can't I be there? I want to be like, I was glued, fixated on everything about that show and her. And I still adopt Debbie Allen when I teach. Like, I embody her when I teach still because there's no other way to be. Um, and then I learned about a woman growing up. I learned about a woman named Judith Jameson through my dance 
school. And again, like I mentioned to you, I didn't have very many other dance, uh, black dance colleagues growing up. But my dance teacher had this beautiful picture of this black woman, all in white, with her leg a la seconde, with her arms up. And I later learned as I grew up that this was from the piece that was choreographed on her by Mr. Ailey himself called Cry. Ooh. She's beautiful. She's I just gorgeous. Did little and I remember <laughs> my mom bought me her autobiography. And again, I was like, ah, oh, dark skin, beautiful woman, gorgeous. And it was just, it just opened up the world. Then I progressed. I'm giving you, I'm going to give you a few. And then we progressed to oh, Vivine wow. Scarlet. Okay. Vivine Scarlet. She is a dance historian and curator in Canada. And she runs a company called Dance Immersion. And she was my gateway. I did a, 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 a paper in my university degree in Canada on blacks and dance and I didn't know who to go to and I met a few other um, prominent dance black dance figures at the time that I hadn't met um, Zel, um, Zelma Badu, Vivine Scarlet um, and uh, Vivine just wrapped me in with all of my potential and excitement and bubbling for just wanting more than what was on offer in Toronto for me at the time but me having completely no knowledge of um, my heritage as a as a black dancer, but she there was no judgment. She just she still does. We don't talk enough, but she's just a beautiful person. She knows that. And then coming to the U coming to the UK, one of the other um, black dance. She's not actually she's not unsung. She's she's very sung by many, but her name's uh, Vicky Igbakwe. And when I met Vicky, I was at a kind of place in time in my career where I was like it was a wobble. It was like whoa 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 whoa. And Vicky spotted my energy, spotted my vibe. She caught my vibe, I caught her vibe, and we've been glued at the hip ever since. The woman is positive, inspirational, a trailblazer, and I'm just proud to call her my sister friend as well. well from like all your like locations your geographies i would love to hear from you both maybe just some words of encouragement or advice for like your fellow colleagues um other artists and maybe even you know people who are still like as despite everything are looking and like oh you know maybe maybe i'll still try this kind of thing um and we hope there's plenty of those kind of people but maybe what other what encouragement or advice do you have for anybody listening who is actually like you know a colleague a peer right now but also could be somebody who wants to enter this field despite the uncertainties that we've experienced recently i mean theater has been around for so long it is not going anywhere um we have to hold steadfast knowing that you know we will get through it and it feels tough now for those who are inside it right now um and you know for those who are finding it hard to stay motivated that's understandable to where always over the the period of of the lockdown I spoke to many people some were very proactive and some weren't and it's about understanding that you you do what you you do that is good for yourself in this time but for those who are considering coming into this world um, don't view it like the world is, is shutting down forever. It's not. And so if you are considering training, you can look at it as this is my preparation for when it's going to reopen. 
or even potentially in your training, maybe you are the one that's going to come and bring us some answers and some new avenues that we can potentially go down. So, you know, I welcome all the young bloods coming in. I'm like, yes, bring your, your verb, bring your energy and, 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 and help us to really break and make new things. So absolutely keep on keeping on. And, and it's a beautiful world and we open the door and we welcome you when you're ready to come in. I love this. The positivity is so needed. What about yeah. you, Ingrid's final words? I would say to everyone out there, just keep pressing forward. I am, as Shelley knows, a movement person. I'm constantly in motion. And I know lockdown has been, has affected everyone in different ways. And I know this breakdown of the industry. I mean, the Twitter's fear, the news can just make you feel like, it's like doomsday. Almost and the, now, the beautiful yeah. thing about grief is that it's it's a it's a state in which you press through. We move through grief. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, Shelley expressed that beautifully in Nine Night. You know, you move through grief. So I think we we must press forward. And even if that pressing forward is you getting out of bed that day, getting dressed, and going, okay, I'm here. That's you pressing forward. And for others, it might be like, you know, something really, it might seem like it's something really huge. You know what I mean? They might be like going towards a new job and actually getting, but everyone's pressing forward is going to look different, but we all must continue to press forward. This has been such a nourishing conversation. Shelley and Ingrid, where can people find you and what you're up to next or what you're scheming on next? Where can everyone kind of find you and stay in touch? Um... For me, I guess it would be on either Instagram or Twitter. So I'm Maxwell underscore Shelley on Instagram. And I think Shelley Maxwell on Twitter. Um, but also for, for new projects and stuff, they can look to Benny Creative House on Instagram. And yeah. likewise on Twitter, Benny Creative. Amazing. And we'll make sure all of the um, links and stuff like that are in the show notes. What about you, Ingrid? Where can um, we find you at? You can Where find you me chilling? on Instagram, Cheesy Smiling, or Dancing in My Kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, hanging out with Shelly as well. Lots of, there's lots of tea on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I think it's, no, it's, I think it's just my name. Um, and on Twitter as well. Uh, I, um, my retweet game is strong. <laughs> and um, and uh, Move Space as well. We also find us on Instagram and Twitter. Move Space 123, I think, on those platforms. This, I think we can agree, Chrissy, this has been a Definitely. nourishing, fortifying conversation for Definitely. the soul with two people who are of and beyond this world, quite honestly. Yeah. So, it's yeah. It's been so inspirational. It just kind of... Um, it gives I know how many people give hope to basically just uh, the things that you guys have said and just you know your journeys and just everything the energy that you guys bring is like I know everyone can't physically see it but we can definitely hear it and yeah it's just yeah, it's just beautiful so thank you both we so caught a vibe nice. everybody I feel like we, we should have a vibe thank you yeah we'll edit that in a bit of bashment yeah we will we will Oh my god, that's an outtake. Uh, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> oh my god, amazing. Right.
right okay so uh thank you so so much it's been an absolute pleasure all right then so i think we can all agree that was just an amazing conversation full of laughter full of wisdom full of joy and joy is is what we need in this moment so we thank our guests so much right so tune in next time as we catch up with production manager alicia levinier and sound designer minotida chinyanga Catch us fortnightly. Episodes will be available everywhere you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow ETT on at ETT Tweet on Twitter and at English Touring Theatre on Instagram. We'll see you next time. <laughs>